Hi, this is JN Silva, artist and founder of Animus, the platform bringing the artists to the center stage of Web3. I'm here on The Edge of NFT, the podcast where the art of Web3 can always shine bright. Keep listening. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how the Web3 artist JN Silva is taking Animus users on a philosophically rich journey of utility and art on the blockchain. Plus, the incredible story of how our guest's first purchase resulted in a robbery at night point. Finally, here are the details behind Infinite Connections, the recent drop from the legendary Web3 Voyager, none other than William Shatner. And before we go, don't forget that our Outer Edge LA event recently returned to LA March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. Hey, you can now catch up on all the discussions, presentations, and more. Just head over to watch.outeredge.live and register with only your email address. Then you'll have access to over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Binge watchers are welcome. See you inside. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features J.N. Silva of Animus, the artist collective dedicated to advancing the future of the NFT crypto space. J.N. Silva is a Venezuelan-born photographer with a keen eye for the decisive moment. His eclectic photography photographic style has allowed him to pursue different avenues in photography, ranging from street and portraiture to live music and aerial photography. Most recently, his artwork has been displayed and sold at the prestigious Sotheby's Auction House alongside the all-time greats. With a career that spans over a decade, Silva has showcased his work all around the world and has a long history of building and fostering community across mediums. A former educator, JN has taught photography workshops and led photo walks all over the world while working with major brands and photographing iconic images of the world's leading artists. His recent entry into the NFT world marked a clear shift for the photography community, and he has onboarded hundreds, if not thousands of artists in the world of NFTs via his artist collective, Animus. Animus is a collective of artists dedicated to bridging the divide between the traditional and digital art worlds by harnessing the benefits of Web 2 and Web 3 tech, they are fostering meaningful connections within our community and encouraging exploration and experimentation. Jan, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Thanks for the intro too. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You you did it all. I just had to read about it. <laughs> yeah, man. It was great to have you at Outer Edge this year and start to get to know each other. And of course, this is event season. So we also had a chance to catch up and in Austin, I was just like, wow, we got to have you on the show. We have to sort of unpack your story and what you're up to a little bit more. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming through our event in Austin. It, it was a really good time. It was great seeing you. And I had a blast at Outer Edge as well. My panel was on community building, which I feel like is my specialty. So yeah, grateful for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start at the beginning of Animus. How did this platform come into being and, and what's it all about? 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'll start a little bit earlier. I got into crypto in 2017 and I'm Venezuelan. Hyperinflation is kind of what destroyed our economy. So when someone like really sat down and explained Bitcoin to me, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Hedge against, you know, hyperinflation. And I'm one of those people that like, when I get into something, I just become like mega focused on learning as much as I can and spent all of 2017 and 18 and 19 just learning as much as I could about blockchain in general, even through, you know, the bear market of 18 and 19. And then in 2020, still doing a ton of photography work. It was supposed to be the busiest year of my life with kind of like regular client work. And in March, one week to the next, lost all my work. All my friends lost all our work, all my creative friends uh, because of the pandemic. And there was this moment where I was like, all right, what the hell can I do now? And, you know, I figured I can day trade, I can do crypto and started paying attention again to what was going on in blockchain. And sure enough, as, as soon as the government turned the printer back on, I was like, oh, this is exactly what we've been waiting for, right? It's like, this is the value proposition of blockchain. And I saw this opportunity kind of like emerging for creatives because at the time, there were a lot of genius developers and people in the space, but their creative and marketing side of things were kind of lacking, let's say. And I found myself having all of these friends who are like super creative, amazing artists all over the world uh, that were out of work. And all of these people in blockchain that were seriously needing creative <laughs> advice. Uh, so that's when I started to create Animus. And at first, we were just kind of like advising and helping a lot of the projects that were launching in 2020. During DeFi summer, we were helping them with marketing, you know, making decks. And eventually, a few of those projects were like, well, can you make NFTs for us? And I was like, oh, yeah, we can make NFTs, right? That's just like, you just have to make the art and you guys can mint it. And, you know, started with that, just connecting amazing artists with amazing developers. And eventually, as more demand came in, I was like, all right, let me start Animus to kind of have like an organized umbrella where we can do all these things. And as we grew, I realized that we don't really want to have this like agency model, which is kind of how we started. I wanted it to be more about like empowering the artists because this was, after all, like a new paradigm. It wasn't like Web2 where I was just like t hiring these artists for hire. I wanted them to kind of like be a part of it all. And we kind of shifted to be becoming an artist collective. And at the same time, I was very vocal on all my social media platforms about Web3 and NFTs. And everyone thought I was going crazy because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And they were like, what the hell are you talking about? And then I figured maybe we can use Animus to onboard artists. And I made a lot of presentations, a lot of decks. I curated a ton of articles and links, and we put it all under this like huge Padlet link. And I was just like calling friends up literally every day and being like, you need to come onto Web3, you need to learn about NFTs. And that was like all of my second half of 2020 and first half of 2021 was like getting on calls and onboarding artists. And from there, Animus grew to hundreds of artists that entered the space through us. And we did a lot of advising for a lot of marketplaces early on. And then we started hosting events, starting with BTC Miami in 2021. And since then, we've hosted in-person events at a lot of the major conferences. And yeah, our whole thing is just empowering artists and helping artists grow and helping them navigate this ecosystem, whether that's through advising, whether that's to like helping with moral support, mental health things. It's been really awesome, very fulfilling experience so far. That's amazing stuff, man. And, and thank you for sort of breaking down the whole story. And as you're talking about sort of the need for creativity in this space, 
I'm just reflecting on my early days in crypto in 2017 and 18. And I'm sure, Ethan, Richard, you can relate. There were some really bad cut and paste websites out there. Pretty much every single project was following the same like WordPress templates, right? I don't even think Wix was around then. And there was no culture in the space, right? And so it's all about just basic language, basic marketing jargon, technical teams. And what got us excited to start the podcast about the same time you were getting really fired up, March of 2021, is we saw a cultural revolution here where some of the traditional principles, crypto, were intersecting with the opportunities that the digital collections had with the intersection of like pure culture, like something that we all needed and were looking for in a relatively desperate time in our society. Yeah, no, 100%. I commend anyone who saw that opportunity early on. And funny enough, in March of 2021, I was a guest on the Joe Budden podcast. I don't know if you guys know Joe Budden, but you know he's a rapper turned podcaster and he runs a huge, huge podcast. And I've been friends with him for you know over a decade. And I asked him, I was like, I've never asked him for a favor before. I was like, please let me go on your podcast and talk to people about NFTs. And he let me on. I want to say it was actually late February of 2021. And I remember I went on the podcast and that clip ended up getting like millions of views. And still to this day, whenever like any platform asks like, oh, how'd you learn about NFTs? A lot of people tag me and they're like, yeah, through Silva on the Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden podcast. So it's like, I can't even measure how many people got that like first hint of curiosity from that. And yeah, anyone that I'm still trying, right? I'm still an advocate for the space. There's still people who like, don't quite see it yet. I think we went through this like crazy hype cycle and, and a lot of people are like, oh, I told you it was all a fad, right? And people still have trouble kind of seeing the long-term vision of it all, but we got to keep showing up every day. Indeed. And at the moment here, you are minting your Animus key card. That is kind of like the NFT entry into that ecosystem. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that and how it plays into the collective. Yeah, for sure. So the Animus key card is something we've been working on for over a year. And we wanted kind of like to tokenize entry into our ecosystem. We have a, a very active Telegram chat. We chose not to do Discord because I've seen just so many people get scammed on Discord and I'd be heartbroken if one of our Animus community members got scammed by our Discord in any way. So we, we chose to keep our community on Telegram and we've been growing and we wanted, again, to tokenize entry into our ecosystem. And what that means is like becoming the VIP of the Animus community, right? And it's also a way for us to get art into the hands of, of the holders, right? The core Animus team is myself and four of my best friends in the world. And we make a lot of stuff. We make a ton of art. And up till now, we've done it either by collaborations or different personal projects where we release it, but we wanted to have something kind of like under the Animus lore. And if you go on our website, you'll see we have this very like deep and kind of like philosophical lore. I studied philosophy in college and then like philosophy changed my life. So like everything that I do is kind of like imbued with philosophy. And we created kind of this like story behind Animus that is like deeply rooted in a lot of different philosophical concepts. And we wanted to get that out. And it's almost like a story that we're telling through blockchain. And we kind of held on just for different reasons. And, and we wanted to like really strategize on how to do this properly. For me, one major thing that was kind of like halting the release was the gas fees, right? Like in 2021, uh, gas fees were just like astronomical. And I was like, ah, like it didn't sit right with me. 
to release this because, you know, I'm Venezuelan and I onboarded a ton of artists from South America and, and kind of just like all different, let's say, underrepresented communities and nations. And for them, you know, for us, yeah, you might pay $30 in a gas transaction here and there, $50. But for someone in South America, that's like food for a week almost, right? And you don't have that privilege to be like minting stuff for $50 just like as you go. So I wanted to find a solution to bring the fees down. And that's why after us doing a ton of research and talking to a lot of different teams, we entered a partnership with the Arbitrum team. Just because as an aside, I'm a huge gamer. I've been a gamer my whole life. And I entered the Arbitrum ecosystem via Treasure Down Magic. I was doing a ton of gaming on there last year. And I just really enjoyed what they stand for and what they've been building on Arbitrum. And funny enough, I'm, I'm good friends with a few people on the team. And unbeknownst to me, a lot of them were in the Animus Telegram and they reached out and they're like, hey, we really like what you're doing. This seems like a very organic artist community how can we help you empower more artists just in the space? And I was like, oh, like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we just kind of like want to help artists and we'd love to have more on Arbitrum because right now there's a lot of PFPs, there's a lot of gaming projects, there's not a lot of art on there. So we saw that as kind of like a perfect opportunity to enter this partnership and release the Animus Keycard via Arbitrum. And yeah, we started minting about two weeks ago. It's a fairly limited supply of a little bit over a thousand and what the Animus Keycard is going to kind of like get you is just a lot of art. We're working on a lot of projects. I'm doing some personal projects on there. And we're just going to start like airdropping and releasing and, and doing claims for artwork. And two, if you have the Keycard, you're kind of like, you'll be the VIP at our in-person events, right? So for this event in Austin, you know, the first kind of like wave of signups to come, we're all Animus Keycard holders. We reserved the free merch that we made for the event for the keycard holders. And once every keycard holder was satisfied, then we opened it up to the public. And we're going to start doing more and more things like that. So holding a keycard will have you be the VIP of our ecosystem. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So Josh, have you been to one of these events? Did I miss it? Is this the case? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that qualified as one of these official events, but there was a said event on Friday before the thunderstorms where it was pretty chill, just a bunch of artists hanging out, some good tacos, some art, like uh, some good music. Am I leaving anything out? Did you get to check out the laser installation in there? No, I missed the laser installation. And that kind of covers it, right? I think everyone or a lot of people in the space always think they have to throw this like grandiose mega jam. Everyone's going crazy with the loud pumping music. And I'll tell you what, the artists do not like that. I don't want to be somewhere where I can't hear people speak, right? Like I want to be in places where I can like talk to people and connect and have fun and just have like a more chill vibe. And like our Animus Telegram is called the Animus Lounge. And for all our events, we try to like harness that feeling of just like being somewhere with friends and creatives and and kind of like embracing the connection there. And that's where our event in Austin was all about. There were really good tacos. We had a lot of art. We had this incredible artist, Laser Lou came and he's like in-person laser crystal installations. You don't get to check it out, but they're unbelievable. We partner with this incredible artist, Ali A.L. Grime, and she did a whole mural outside of the venue. And that same design, that's what we put on the merchandise for the event. And yeah, it's just all about getting artists to get together and connect. And for us, it's always about 
the quality of the people at our events and not the quantity of the people. So we specifically curate our lists kind of like very tight. So our event is never like too packed, which for me is like incredible because again, it's kind of like that like relaxing, recharging environment, right? Like I want people to leave the Animus events recharged and not like, oh God, I'm so drained. Yeah, I have to agree. I hate it when I'm at an event where there's lots of cool people, but I can't hear anything of what any of them is saying. The only critique I have here, listen, I wasn't there. Driven Venezuela, I feel like you should have some arepas in addition to those tacos. That's all. A hundred percent. No, arepas and turqueños are a must at any event. But I didn't trust that. I don't want to get someone in Austin and get some suspect arepas on board. <laughs> like in Miami, we definitely always have the arepas. I hear you. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that you brought up that I want to just go back and touch briefly on. And the first being the ability for access. So like you were saying with ETH, someone having to pay $35 plus, I mean, during the bullish times, you're paying $100 up to $1,000 in peak times, and that's a barrier to entry. And so being able to go with Arbitrum and having a way to have more access for people, I think is setting up the future for getting more people involved and getting meeting artists where they are and finding a way to get them onboarded. And in that same regard, you're currently working as an executive producer of the Buscanada American Project. And for anyone who has tried to make a featured film, you know how hard and challenging it is to do that. And the access to be able to become a part of that is extremely difficult. So can you tell us a little bit about that project and how you're able to get some of those NFTs as being featured on OpenSea? Yeah, 100%. So those are my two biggest projects for sure. And Animus Collective and Busan America. And they kind of like overlap. We're both families. Animus Studios, which is under the Animus umbrella, me and my co-founder, Phil Yoon, who's one of my best friends. We went to college together. We've been doing kind of like short and long form content for over 10 years, right? That's kind of like our Web2 careers. We're doing photography and videography for festivals, artists, events, music videos, just storytelling, right? Through photos and videos. And we feel that this is still severely lacking in Web3. And that's why we have Animus Studios. And under that umbrella, we kind of like have made and produced a few short form storytelling projects. I guess most recently we did this piece with Corey Van Lu and Farouk for Rug Radio for the faces of Web3 Mint. We did kind of like a five minute short documentary on Corey Van Lu and his process. And yeah, so that's our purpose with Anima Studio. And Anima Studio kind of like produced this first short documentary that we're doing with Buscando America. And Buscando America is very much a passion project. I was introduced to one of the directors, Nello. He's a brilliant, brilliant Venezuelan filmmaker, Emmy nominated. He made a documentary about the Venezuelan protest of 2017 and beyond that was nominated for an Emmy last year. And yeah, someone just said, you two should know each other just because you're both very much into, obviously, the Venezuelan culture and kind of like repping the flag and all this stuff. And see the flag right here. And we met, we chatted, and he was like about to enter Web3 and he just wanted some advice. And he's like, hey, me and my best friends living in Medellin wrote a script together over the pandemic. And we shot a little teaser for what we want this film to look like. I just want to get your opinion on how I can go about it. Do you think there's a future for it? He just wanted kind of like my thoughts. I checked out the script. I looked at this teaser. I saw the deck and immediately I was just like so blown away. I was like, how can I be a part of this? Like, please let me in. I want to like help you bring this thing to life. And so I came on as the executive producer and kind of like the Web3 strategist. And to be perfectly frank, I don't think there's a big Film3 community and there are different projects that are at different stages of production. To this day, there is not one completed full film that's out that can say we fundraised the whole thing and went from zero 
to this via NFTs. I respect a lot of the projects. We have uh, some amazing friends in the Film3 community. And, you know, we're all figuring it out as we go. And what we're doing is we broke this kind of like the stages of making a film into different parts. And at every part, we're going to be dropping an NFT project to kind of like fund that stage and get us to the next one. Right. So kind of with money that we had from the Animus Studio Fund and with a lot of help from my friends at Sony. I'm a Sony ambassador. So I've been working with Sony on their camera side for over 10 years now. And Sony lent us all this gear to go to Medellin. And we went to Medellin for 12 days last year. And we did a whole canvas of the whole city doing location scouting, character scouting, getting into some places that no one is really allowed to go into and interviewing some very, very, very interesting people all over Medellin. And we put together a short documentary. It's a 20-minute documentary. You can watch it on YouTube now. It's called Idiosyncrasia. And we turned all of our scouting, the documentary photography that we did into this first collection, also called Idiosyncrasia. And we turned it into a whole collection. It's 2,500 one-of-one photos from our time in Medellin. And the photos are from myself and the two directors of the film, Nelson, Nello, and Alex. Alex is also a brilliant filmmaker, music video director, born and raised in Medellin. And our whole purpose is we want to showcase the real, pretty much, right? Like in a lot of our countries, we feel that our culture is kind of like misrepresented a lot of the times by other cultures, right? Like, for example, in Medellin, you have series like Narcos, right? And when you ask someone in Medellin or in Colombia how they feel about Narcos, they're like, well, these foreigners came, they rented kind of like a village, a deserted village way outside of town. They hired all these foreign actors. They hired all these foreign writers and they came and they tried to tell a story about our people, right? So it doesn't feel genuine. And there's a lot of like misrepresentation there. So our whole thing is showing like what the real culture is like in Medellin. And our film is going to tackle a lot of issues, but mainly corruption in South America and how that corruption has been so pervasive that it's uh, driven out a lot of the major talent over the last few decades. And I mean, that's the story of like myself and a lot of people who, you know, we were forced to leave our countries to chase better pastures because of like the overwhelming corruption. But yeah, we've had a lot of amazing, amazing supporters. We first premiered the film. We did a very, very short sneak peek at NFT NYC last year. We rented out a whole theater and we threw an event called NFTC where we rented out the whole theater in South Street Seaport. And then we showed another version of it at Art Basel and we officially released the actual documentary uh, three weeks ago now. And yeah, we have amazing supporters. Someone from the OpenSea team saw it and they were like, holy crap, this is incredible. How can we support? And they gave us, yeah, they gave us the full feature drop. We were on the OpenSea front page for two days. It's the first time any film project has been a feature drop on OpenSea. First time a full-fledged photography project has been the feature drop on OpenSea. And we're doing this collaborative thing with them as a long-term, because making a movie is a long-term project. So yeah, we've been working nonstop and excited to get that going. Well, first off, congratulations. That is absolutely huge news. Secondly, I think this is a great reminder for everyone listening, the power of going in person. He was able to meet someone that you went on to help create this with. So the power of being in person. And then finally, just again, people can resonate with a story. And especially when you look at a lot of these NFT projects, you look at the team and everything around it, they try to get into the, the story of like why this is around and why it's here. And it sounds like there's a lot of people who are really resonating with your vision of what you have for this NFT project. So cool stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And my main 
purpose right now is just getting people to watch the documentary because I feel like once you see that, then everything else makes sense, right? So I'm just like going everywhere, like, hey, 20 minutes every time. I know that's like an impossible ask in today's attention economy, but 20 minutes, watch this. It's free on YouTube and everything else will make sense. Like what we're doing will make sense. Yeah. Well, I think you convinced the three of us to go ahead and check it out. I'll be tuning into it tonight and looking forward to that. Just out of curiosity, with OpenSea, do they have a film three department that reached out to you or was it the entertainment division or? Oh, yeah, it wasn't any of their divisions. I had some contacts on the photography side. And I think if you look it up, it's under photography because the NFTs themselves are photos. But no, I don't think they have a film category yet. It's very, very small. There's only like, I want to say like five or six projects with like three of them being like the main ones that have gotten funding and have gotten to that next step. Yeah, I mean, we've had David Bianchi on the show. He actually just minted one of our pieces last night. So shout out David Bianchi, big supporter. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah. We love David. And I know Miguel Faust is cooking up something, right? So Yeah, I mean, I hope we have a lot more to talk about in this genre by next year. I mean, you know, Outer Edge is all about that intersection of technology entertainment. So it's something that's near and dear to our heart to celebrate at Outer Edge LA in March. And I think there'll be more activity in the space over the next year than there was in the past year. And you're part of this growing movement. But I wanted to also touch on the personal side of you as an artist and a creator as well. And I know you've done some pretty cool projects, including a successful drop with Thank You X and being part of the Timepiece community. We just had Maya on the show actually last week, another amazing human. Like, what is your personal artwork sort of story and trajectory in the space? And what are you sort of thinking about sort of beyond what you've created so far? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I entered the space kind of like as a pure photographer. You know, I've been a photographer for again, probably 20 years now. And I feel like that's what most people have always known me for is just my photography. But in 2020, over the pandemic, I was already kind of like experimenting with different mediums. And, you know, for me, music is one of those mediums. I'm like a huge, huge music fan. I was doing a ton of music photography before the pandemic. And for me, it is one of my biggest, if not my biggest passion is just music, right? Like I've studied it. I listen to a ton of music all the time. You'll never see me without these headphones. And over the pandemic, I started kind of like learning how to produce and started learning a lot of music theory and things like this. And at the same time, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of fractal art. I saw a documentary on George Mandelbrot and just fractal sets and and math equations. And again, I just fell down this 12 hours later. I was like trying to understand all these math equations and figuring out how I can make fractal art. And it was something that was like extremely relaxing to me. It's just like, again, while the pandemic was going on, me just like experimenting on these fractal programs and like literally looking at the math that makes the universe run in a visualized form and colorized form. And I just found it like extremely fascinating. This was all when I was learning about NFT. So when like I entered the space, I was already excited to be experimenting with new things and new mediums. And I was introduced to Thank You X and we immediately got along and we decided to collaborate for our first project because we wanted to do something cool and exciting that, you know, people hadn't seen before. And we did our first drop on December of 2020. It sold out immediately, did extremely well at the time. I think it was like the highest grossing collaboration on Nifty Gateway. We did a second collaborative drop a few months later, and that one was even crazier. That was in March. And then from there, I feel like a lot of people just heard of us from those two drops just because they performed so well. And 
they were kind of so iconic for that time period. And then since then, I've done a few solo photography drops, but I've also been experimenting a bunch with kind of like the fusion of psychedelic fractal art by itself, psychedelic fractal art fused with my photography, all those mixed with music. Recently, I started doing like fractal art photography that was animated via AI with my music on it. Yeah, so I'm all about experimenting and that's kind of like my thing, right? Like if you're following along, I'm always about progressing and kind of like not staying stagnant and just like exploring new mediums. That's what I've been doing. My Sotheby's piece was a combination of like fractal art and photography. And, you know, it went for, I think, almost close to 10 times the estimate that they had given it. So it did very well on Sotheby's. And I've also done a bunch of like collage drops for charity. Last year, I did a project, Tor 1919, or Dr. 1919. Uh, was a charity drop that gave money to this archdiocese in Caracas, which is the, the capital of Venezuela, to get money into the hands of their education system. And that was all kind of like collage work with my fractal mixed in it. And then recently, I've gotten more into like live installations. So for the Gateway, NFT Now's Art Basel, world. I got to build out a whole full room installation in collaboration with Instagram. And that went really well too. Everyone seemed to really, really love it. I created this like fractal meditation room where I made like a long fractal piece. And then I did a eight hour soundscape. And then I kind of just like made the whole room feel like this like tripped out fractal world and just asked people to go in there and meditate. And that also went really well. So that's what I'm like, kind of transitioning into, I'd love to do more physical artwork. And I'm actually talking to a few people here in Miami to create just like large scale physical works. That's so cool. Yeah. I was going to say like, why not do some live stuff now? Um, We just had Jeremy Coward on the show last week and he's got this live minting experience, but of course you're already on to the next thing. And it just kind of tells me sort of what an innovator and disruptor you are. In fact, I think, Ethan, around the time of that Sotheby's auction, you were saying, should I go for this piece? It's it's going to be 10 times more than I wanted, but should I just snag it anyways? I just went for it. I just yeah. went for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just money. Yeah. <laughs> so what you don't know, Jan, is that Ethan is also sort of a polymath that crosses music and math. So I'm just super curious what his reaction is to some of your inspiration. Yeah, we got to hang out. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, man, hundred percent. I can nerd out on this stuff. You inspired me with your immersive fractal meditative experience. I actually have a float tent. You know these float tanks. I don't know if you ever done it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've been really interested in them for many years. Always wanted one, and you can get like a tent version, which is a lot less expensive but similar experience. And I've actually had it for months, but it's been a slow going to get it set up. I'm almost there. I just ordered 800 pounds of Epsom salts from from like Walmart or something. It, <laughs> it all showed up like stacks and stacks of Epsom salts in my door a week ago. But yeah, I'm sure you'd be into it. Have you checked out Stephen Wolfram? No. Stephen Wolfram, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I look up Stephen Wolfram. He wrote a book many years ago by this time called A New Kind of Science. And it's all about these cellular automaton and the fractal implications and all this type of stuff where you see it in in nature and biology. I believe he's an advisor on one of our previous guest projects on Superworld NFT project. I believe Stephen Wolfram is involved there somehow. Man, I feel like I listened to one of his audiobooks and it was like the fractal nature of reality or something like that. 
Could be. He was like one of these child prodigies and basically knew the secrets of the universe by like 12 or something. So anyways, <laughs> I do want to hear a little bit more about the charity initiatives. You did mention Dr. 1919, and that sounds really interesting. You've got some other stuff going on. I know there's some themes around the political situation in Venezuela as well. Can you just share a little bit more about what's going on on that side of things? Yeah, for sure. I think last year, you know, after the big study, study sale, I felt like I want to take a little break from kind of like personal projects. And even though I'm always like making art, I kind of want to take a break from releasing art. I also had hip surgery last July. So I knew that I was going to be kind of like a slower period for myself as I recovered. But after that sale, I kind of looked to only say yes to anything that was like giving back to communities. Right. So I, I did a bunch of charity stuff. I did the Dr. 1919 project was probably the most prominent one. It was kind of produced by Cisneros Media and, and the Cisneros family. They're a very humanitarian focused Venezuelan family who have done a, a ton of incredible initiatives worldwide. They're also like some of the biggest patrons of Latin American art and heritage and their collection. They've kind of like loaned and given their collection to many, many museums all over the world. So they have the biggest collection of like Latin American art. And they came to me, was lucky enough to meet with them. And they came to me with an idea to do this project with 19 different Venezuelan artists. And in Venezuela, we have kind of this like religious figure that if you're Venezuelan, you kind of like grew up with this doctor. His name is Dr. Jose Gregorio Hernandez. And he was a real life doctor that in the 1800s and early 1900s traveled all over Europe. And then when he came back to Venezuela, he actually brought back all of this like science from all his learnings. He was like a genius, also polymath. And he was just like curing diseases left and right in Venezuela, right? Because he brought back all of these new tools to the country. And so he, people started to see him as a saint. And eventually they started to like really believe in the power of his healing. And it's one of those things that like anytime I grew up in a very deeply Catholic family and anytime I would get sick, like my grandmother would take out the, the doctor statue, come right to it. You know, she said that he saved my uncle from like almost dying. And there's like many, many miracles that have been attributed to him. So he's actually on the process of being recognized as a, as a saint by the Catholic church. He's like one step or like right before it. So the Cisneros family had this idea to get 19 Venezuelan artists. He passed away in the year 1919. So that's why it's called Dr. 1919. And so they had the idea to get 19 Venezuelan artists and have each artist create 101 pieces of generative art, sell the collection and have all that money. Again, go to the Archdiocese of Caracas and they do a ton of humanitarian outreach over there. And I was born and raised in Venezuela and I actually went to a Catholic school for my first 11 years. And the education that I got at that school is what I attribute largely to my success after moving here. And I moved to the U.S. and I was like, wait, what? Like, this is so easy. And it was because the school over there was so difficult that it prepared me for like everything they were teaching here. So it was very dear to me that a lot of this money that we were raising from this NFT collection was going back to the archdiocese and the education program over there. Besides that, I donated a piece to Imani. Imani is an incredible artist, and she did a charity drop last, I want to say, November. And I think that's called Jumpstart Designers. And that piece went to getting kids in kind of like lower income communities outfitted with iPads and, and different like creative programs. And Adobe was a part of it. So that one meant a lot to me as well. And then lastly, I have what you mentioned is my super rare Genesis piece 
And that is honestly one of my favorite things that I've ever made. It's, it's a piece that I shot here in Miami last year. It was an all Venezuelan production. We rented out a photo studio that was owned by Venezuelans. We had seven Venezuelan immigrants served as the talent for the photo. Makeup artist is Venezuelan. Literally pretty much everyone on set was Venezuelan. And what I did was I got a word cloud of the results that you get when you search Venezuela on across all social medias. And the word cloud that you get, you'll see it in the piece. It's words like inflation, shelter, corruption, hunger, food. And amongst the words, there's probably, there's not one positive word, right? And it's like, this is what you search when you search the name of the country, nothing else. And everything you get is just like all of these words that are like essentially seeking for help. So I got all of those and I projected it over the seven immigrants. And for a very long time, we had seven stars on our flag and that's what it represents. So my piece is just a very like politically heavy piece that calls to a lot of the issues that have plagued Venezuela for all these years. We actually have the second biggest migration of people from our country in the world, first in the West, and we get almost no aid from any country. You know, every other country that you see in the top 10 that's had this sort of like migration gets a ton of help from all the big nations. Venezuela gets almost nothing uh, because we've been our because our president has talked badly about the U.S. a few times. And because of that, there's all these sanctions that are put on our people. So yeah, I put that piece up and it's my genesis on Super Rare. And if it ever sells, I'm donating 100% to various Venezuelan humanitarian efforts here in the U.S. that get more food and legal counsel to a lot of immigrants. And yeah, I'm an immigrant myself. I come from a family of immigrants. I was dealing with legal problems for like 20 years when I came to the U.S., I know a lot of people are still dealing with it. So it's something that I'm very passionate about. It's coming back. Sounds beautiful. Great way to take something negative, turn it into something productive. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's extremely powerful. And what you've been able to do and accomplish so far is extremely reputable and and commendable. And I know that you have a lot more going on. So like, how about you tease up some of the things on the roadmap that you want to share out that also might be keeping on people's radar? Yeah, for sure. So... Let's see. I haven't done any just like straight photography drops in a while. And I feel like, again, there's a lot of demand for that because a lot of people just really enjoy just kind of like my pure photography. So I have this collection coming out hopefully very soon. As I mentioned, I majored in philosophy and that's kind of like what made me who I am today. And it was like probably one of the best decisions I ever made was switching my major and then studying kind of like the classic different philosophies from different cultures and language arts and all this And kind of like my dream was always to go to Greece, right? That was like my Mecca. It was like the motherland, the birth of a lot of the philosophy that I studied. And as soon as I could, right after the pandemic, I, you know, took a trip to Greece and went to a bunch of the islands and then shot a lot of photography, documentary photography, just like a ton of different philosophy sites. So I'm making that into a very small photography collection, all black and white photos from Greece. So I'll be doing that soon. And besides that, I actually have a piece coming out this month on a project curated by Coldy. Coldy's like one of my NFT heroes, one of my, like my absolute OGs. He's curating different artists to do a drop on the concept of transcendence. 
So I have a piece on there. I think I'm allowed to say this. I hope I am. I'm doing something for Freeze New York, the art fair. That's in a few weeks. And it also has to do a lot of with like spiritual art. And again, I'm very interested in this, like where all of these things meet, where like art, wellness, consciousness, spirituality, I've gotten very much into like sound healing and, and different frequencies. And so I've been kind of like making all of these soundscapes for all of my new pieces. So I'm doing something at Freeze Art Fair. And I'm talking to a few people in the city of Miami about creating just like a large form public installation. A few more well, things, but I think it? that's pretty good. Damn. That's all? Well, next time you're in LA, we're grateful to be members of Rafi's Lounge. He came on our show and he did a Web3 NFT drop for his sort of meditation version of, say, Soho House in Malibu overlooking the water. I went over to his spot for a sound healing mix with Qigong last weekend and definitely melted my nervous system away. So (laughs) sign me up. Yeah, we got to go over there together next time you're in LA. Just drop me a note. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. It was a lot of fun hearing about everything you're up to. And I think we want to move on to our next segment, Edge Quick Hitters, which gives a little bit in deeper insights into your history and your soul there. So edge quick hitters are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. 10 questions. We're looking for a short single or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? Yeah, that's it. All right. Number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Oh man, that's kind of a unpleasant story, but I was not allowed to leave my house in Venezuela ever because we lived in such a dangerous neighborhood. And the first time I was allowed to leave, it was to buy my mom medicine for she has a lot of back problems. And I was like super excited to leave the house and just go buy something. And I went to the store that was like two blocks away and I got robbed at knife point. <laughs> so that the vibe. I bought some drugs for my mom's back and I got robbed right away. So that was the first thing I ever bought. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a very unique first purchase that certainly isn't a Snickers bar or a Pokemon card. <laughs> yeah, that's my first like memory of ever leaving my house and buying something. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Question number two, what's the first thing you ever remember selling in your life? Selling, let's see, probably school supplies. I was trying to make money and then just like, you know, if you don't bring a pen or something and I had something extra, try to make some quick bucks at school. Nice. The umbrella salesman in the rainstorm. As yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> these are the education supplies. Nice. I'm that guy that never remembers to have an umbrella. So likely target there. 
What is the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing I purchased, I bought a bunch of stuff in Austin, a bunch of like vintage thrift vines. Oh, actually, I got a mood ring right here. I went to uh, this really cool toy store in Austin and they have just like a lot of really nostalgic things and, and just like action figures and all these things. And I saw a mood ring. I was like, man, I haven't seen a mood ring in so long. I'm going to actually buy it. So JN gracefully showed us his middle finger without giving us the middle finger. <laughs> nice. What is the most recent thing you sold? We sold a bunch of Animus key cards at our event. People came and they, they minted a bunch of that. And they also minted a bunch of the Buscando America NFTs. And someone offered to buy the merch, but we said no, not yet. But yeah, just Animus key cards. Awesome. So what is your most prized possession? Like material? <laughs> you pick. You pick. Let's see. Oh, man, that's a good one. I have a collection of... And this is kind of like one of the first things that came to my mind. Well, besides photos, I have a lot of photos that mean the world to me. A lot of photos of my mom and my dad and them together. And photography is just like it for me, right? Because you can't recreate those and I have those. But material, I have a collection of kind of like philosopher busts that I got in Greece that I absolutely love. They're at the entrance of my house. And when you come in, it's like... Homer, Pythagoras, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. It's kind of like all my favorite philosophers. And I got all these busts actually from these sacred sites in Greece. And I'm always like, yeah, I love those. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's funny. Every time you say Greece, I keep thinking that it's also the Spanish word for gray. <laughs> Greece. <laughs> if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service experience, that's currently for sale, what would it be? Damn, that's a really tough one. If I could buy anything in the world, it would probably be just like really epic house with like a bunch of guest houses and studios and places where I could be creative and bring my friends and have them be creative. So maybe like a big house that also has like art studio complexes with a basketball court attached. Beautiful. Yeah. I've been having visions like that lately too, where it's just like a central location that has all the cool things that you want. And you kind of just figure there's, it'll attract the other people. That yeah. like those things. <laughs> 100%. All right. Nice. Next question is question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I would say empathy. A lot of people say I'm like deeply, deeply empathetic. And I tend to agree. I'm always like, feeling how other people feel and just like very thoughtful of others' emotions. And I feel like a lot of people like empathy. And besides that, maybe my ability to focus. I feel like we live in a society where people just lack attention span and no one can focus on anything for more than like a few seconds at a time. And I'm one of those people that like, if I'm focused on something, I can focus on it for a really long time. I can like read a whole book in one go. I can like watch a TV or a movie, a long film and pay attention and not always be on my phone. One of my pet peeves is like when you're talking to people and like every three seconds, they're just like glancing at their phone. <laughs> I think it's one of like the detriments of our society. So yeah, empathy and attention span. Yeah, I'm really impressed with this like balance between the explosion of creativity that you have with your ability to like get shit done. That is a really cool combination. I thank my mom. My mom would like lock me up in a room when I was growing up. She was, you have to do all your homework. You have to read everything and you cannot go out. And I would just have to like sit there and focus. And I'm like that last generation where like we were still analog for a very long time before cell phones and computers. So shout out to that. Yeah. It reminds me when I started, got into my PhD and 
I forget how long the lecture things were, but I feel like it was like four hours straight of just watching someone talk about action potentials or something. <laughs> yeah, it was quite an exercise. Oh, yeah. I would sit there and listen to just people talk about like the most dense philosophy topic for hours and just be like, oh, God. <laughs> nice. All right. Next question. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Hmm, what would I eliminate? Believe it or not, like it takes a lot to actually get me going. I have very low energy. I'm like an extremely low energy person. I wish I had more. I, I see people that are just like, they wake up and they're like, oh, I'm ready to go. Like, I love sleeping. I could sleep 10 hours every day and be totally happy with that. And then it takes a lot of kind of like, now I'm a little bit better about caffeine, but for a very long time, I was just like 10 cups of coffee a day. So I need more energy. All right. Fair enough. Happens to the best of us. Indeed. All right. What did you do just before joining us on this podcast after your very long nap? Oh, man, I was looking at all these damn meme coins and I was like, what is going on? I was looking at a bunch of charts for the meme coins that are taking off today and just like browsing through all my catching up. I got back from Austin, so I had a lot of Telegram chats to catch up on. And everyone is apparently like Pepe billionaires right now. And I'm like, oh, I missed everything. I've been traveling too much. So yeah, just kind of like catching up on all my chats and emails and all the news that have happened while I was gone. All right. So it's like that meme coins are back, huh? That's what it's looking. Well, I don't know. Anytime that sentence is uttered, I'm like, hmm, this feels like a local top. Anytime we say meme coins are back, that's when the Darth Maul candle comes in. So we'll see. <laughs> I miss that one too, man. You know, too busy building and hanging out for all this meme coin action. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to do everything in my power to get a workout in. Normally I work out as soon as I wake up and I do this, like get sun, meditate, work out, go to the sauna. But today I had so much stuff and I had a few calls going before this that I said I was going to do it after. But man, working out late at night is like another type of dedication, but I'm going to really try to do it. Yeah, I got in a F45 class, my first time doing that in a long, long time. Normally, I just work out with my trainer at the gym, but it was a good way to start my Monday. So I'm right there with you, my friend. That's the best. Maybe if it's not windy, maybe I'll shoot some hoops as there's a basketball court outside so I can like get some shots in. If you ever get a chance to hang out with me and Richard, you'll definitely get your workout in because we discovered during Outer Edge that we could get the workouts done, taken care of. <laughs> 100%. I got you. Okay. Let's go. I'm ready. And for your final and fun bonus question of the day, since you brought up meme coins, we got to go there. What's the dumbest sounding meme coin you've ever bought? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that once upon a time, I bought something called like Jizz Rocket or Cum Rocket or something like that. And it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. <laughs> I think that thing made like a 10,000 X return. I did well on the Jizz Rocket and did indeed Rocket. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry to all my listeners. Sorry if I let you down. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, I'm a DJ and I dabble in the art of shit coinery for sure. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. 
It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right, guys, let's hit the next segment. We're going to jump into a recurring segment that's been very fun. The Swoops sponsored segment. We get to kind of act like we're owners of a professional basketball team. They are robots and it is all on Web3, but it is pretty super fun. Swoops is a blockchain powered basketball simulation game. It allows users like us and you to own and operate a 100% unique team. We can enter real money contests with our squads, win daily cash prizes. If you've ever dreamt of owning, operating, and profiting off your own basketball franchise, this is your chance. Swoops users are able to experience a play and earn game. It looks kind of like a fantasy basketball, but with its own IP and a world of Swoopsters that are robotic players. They're each a one-and-one, and they evolve and age over time. So let's check in on what's going on with our team. Do a little screen share here, and we're going to check in on the Outer Edge Travelers. In previous episodes, we've established kind of like our logo and our branding. And this time around, uh, we want to start to talk into kind of like the first many games that we've played. We're at about 83 games here on the record. Last time, we maybe were less than 50. So have to say, we are not necessarily doing excellently. We are 31 to 52. So we're at less than 50% game-winning percentages. But we are doing our best. What do you think, Josh? Do you think we got a chance here at the Super Bowl? What do you think? Yeah, look, we're at 37% winning percentage. It's not a great number to say out loud, right? Like, I don't love that number. But it is above Dire Bird's number 33. So I feel good about that. It's a tough doggy dog division here. Even some of the best teams who, by the way, we've beaten have below 500 records. So I'm not counting us out yet. Right. I mean, we could look at the leaderboard here real, real quickly. It is true that we did win three games against Chef's Kitchen, who is literally the number one team right now. Yeah, as you mentioned, they're one percentage 
Yeah, but they're not happy about their last 10, right? They're four and six in the last 10. Why? Because of us, because of the Outer Edge Travelers, because we whooped them. That's the bottom line there. Yeah, they might also be getting a little bit lazy, resting on their laurels, drinking too much champagne at those like Hollywood parties or whatever. When you get good and everybody's watching you, you're number one. It's easy to let your guard down. But also think it might have to do with our star player, Tron Stockton. He's balling out. He has his free throw percentage just under 80%. Been bested by, you know, two other players, which includes Swoopster at 846, which is right below 82%, and Swoopster at 982, which is almost at 90%. So Swoopster987 is doing best on assists. I'm going to provide some dynamic support for Tron because we have to feed Tron as he is helping to dominate for the wins that we do have. Richard, you're a natural board basketball announcer. I didn't realize it. It's amazing. (laughs) Man, sometimes you're just ready for these types of things. And being a guy that loves sports, this is that moment to shine, baby. I think Richard joining our coaching team is probably a signal. I can't bet. We can't bet on ourselves, right? We can just play the game. But for all those listeners out there, you heard we have a new coach in the mix. And he knows actually the game of basketball a little bit. This might not be a bad thing. Don't sleep on us just yet. There you go. Let's check in our ranking here towards the Super Bowl. We are at 102 out of approximately, what, 210 teams or so. So last time we checked, I think we were at like 113 or something. So we are rising in the rankings and we are beating the number one team. So you know what? There's hope for us. Let's just let people know here about the mint that's coming up. SSN1 Mint, it's fast approaching. Minting price for these swoopsters will be 0.05 ETH. There'll be three days of minting. First on May 17th for only existing owners. Then on the 18th, a mint day for the pre-sale list, which you can get onto. We'll let you know how to do that in a minute. And then on Friday, May 19th, there'll be a mint that is open to the public. And then their swoops is just a announcing a sweetening of the pot here. They were, first of all, giving away some limited edition five-star swoopsters that are randomly hidden somewhere within the first two days worth of supply. But in addition to that, they're going to be doing something they're calling the sixth bot special. So if you buy five swoopsters on day two or three, you will get a sixth swoopster for free. So users must buy five during the same mint day to earn the bonus. So that basically means you buy five on day two and five on day three, you could walk away with two free swoopsters. So it's your chance to build a full team with a Swix, a six swoopster in the mix and keep that lineup padded with excellent players. Again, to recap, sign up for the SSN1 pre-sale for swoops. Day one of the mint starts around the 17th of May, as mentioned. And then you can improve your chances on getting your hands on some of those never-before-seen players by going to swoops.com and clicking pre-sale. You fill on the form to sign up for the SSN1 pre-sale event. They sold out of their SSN0 Mint in 35 minutes. So keep your eyes open, pay attention, and make sure when you do sign up for the pre-sale, use the code EDGE of NFT when you fill out that form. Should we hit like one hot topic, guys, before we move on? Yeah, let's do one. All right. First one has to do with our good friend, Billy Shatner, who is at Outer Edge. We might as well cover this one. So William Shatner warps into Web3 with Infinite Connections NFT release. The original Star Trek captain and longtime Twitter crypto guy officially dropped the release Infinite Connections during Coindesk Consensus 2023. It is two collections, Cosmic Explorer with 2,500 NFTs that feature a Shatner 3D avatar paired with artwork that explores scientific themes like quantum physics and sonic vibrations. 
Each one also includes a physical action figure of Captain James T. Kirk, the role for which Shatner is best known, each hand signed by Shatner with a quote from the character. And then the other collection is the Timeless Voyager, which has 1,000 NFTs of 2D artwork, future tech, and the Cosmos. No action figures included, but select holders will have access to unspecified in-real-life opportunities. Wow, that sounds pretty fun, man. We definitely got deeper into the mind of Bill Shatner during Outer Edge. And he's a deep guy, deep guy in deep space. Absolutely. And it was really cool to see some friends of his, like Anthony Hopkins, get on Twitter to support him. And I just love the fact that he's just continues to push the limits of what's possible. And I think it's a great partnership with, with Orange Comet. We really appreciate the the amount of technical acumen and creative acumen and aesthetic acumen that they put into each of their projects. Like they're extremely precise and thoughtful with what they do with someone like William Shatner. You could easily botch that if you go too far south or too far north, but it seems like this one has been uh, relatively well received by the community. No, it sounds really cool. Shout out to him because he's kind of just been at every iteration of technology. And I feel like like what an iconic role in an iconic series and his fan base has always been through it all. And I've heard him speak. I saw him at Outer Edge and heard a bit of what he said at Consensus. And it feels like he's genuine. And I feel like even if he's not, at least it's like you get a physical object that's signed. There's like a memorability aspect to it. So I think that's pretty cool. And he's cursed out some people that I dislike in my time too. So, so I like him. I'm a fan. He's been in blockchain for a while. Like this is not like he's just joining the space all of a sudden. He's not coming in. He's not doing it for the money. He really isn't. I mean, he's just having a good time. Yeah, I like that. got to check it out. I want to see these scientific concepts. Yeah, cool stuff. All right. Maybe that's enough for Hot Topics. Next, we just want to make room for a little bit of a shout out. So JN, if there's anybody that you have in your circle or any projects you think would be worth giving a little extra attention to, maybe you could shout them out now. You got anybody in mind? So I'll do the co-founder of Animus, Phil Yoon. He's like, man, right hand, just partner for a lot of things that I do. I wouldn't be able to do all this stuff without him. He's incredible. You can find them at Twitter at Phil Yoon. And the other one is one of the directors of the Buscando America film, Nello. On Twitter, he's at Nello GGN. Just brilliant, brilliant filmmaker. And we're truly going to disrupt uh, storytelling in Web3 together. So shout out to those two, Phil and Nello. Much love. Awesome. Thanks for that. All right. Well, let's start to close out here. But before we officially wrap, let's let listeners know where they can go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on. What's the best way? For sure. So I am at JN Silva on all social media platforms. I do have the mythical and now controversial Verify blue check on Twitter still. <laughs> so if you're looking for me on Twitter, I do have the check. And Animus is at Made by Animus. We're that on every social media. And for the movie project, it's at Buscando America. But in America, the E is a three. So it was kind of America with a three in America. We could not secure the other one. We really tried. But yeah, and or you could just go to my socials and like everything is pinned in my bio. So if you find me, you'll find all the other ones. Perfect. And we also understand you're doing some generous giveaway items and we'll let people know about those on the socials, how to grab them. But what were you interested in uh, in sharing? Yeah, for sure. So I'm giving away a few of the Genesis collection from Buscando America, a few photos from our explorations in Medellin. 
they're all one of one photos taken by either me or the two directors of the film. And this is a very raw and gritty photography from Colombia, which I think they're incredible. A lot of people really like them. If you're into like documentary street style photography, I think you'll dig them too. And a lot of those locations or characters might make it into the film, which I think is really cool. On top of that, we'll be giving out a few Animus key cards. So we'll get people hopefully excited to join the Animus ecosystem. That'll be on Arbitrum. So, you know, make sure you have some ETH bridged over on Arbitrum to be able to claim it. But yeah, Animus key card and a few photos from Buscando Medica project. Thanks so much. Yeah, that sounds great. Medellin is such a cool place. That's beautiful. All right. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us. Say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for great NFT content. Thanks for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. 